0: the following is a ca original the mighty sound of the south tailgating on tiger lane tom three at the liberty bowl each one a memphis football tradition this is the tiger football podcast
1: what's happening tiger football fans we are back for the championship edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger Football Beat Writer. Jason Munns, our producer, and Tiger Basketball Beat Writer is in the house as well. We are recording this three days before Memphis hosts Cincinnati, the rematch, uh, the first AAC championship game, first conference championship game, period, uh, to be hosted at the Liberty Bowl. Memphis coming off a 34-24 win over Cincinnati, um, and a lot has happened. (laughs) Um, We've got rumors, and very real rumors it appears, that this might be Mike Norvell's final game as the Memphis head coach. We've got the release of the all AAC teams, as well as player of the year, coach of the year, things like that. And boy, did Memphis get snubbed. And then, oh, by the way, Memphis coming off a program record 11th win over Cincinnati last week, uh, is going for a going for its first outright conference championship in 50 years since 1969 and has a spot in the cotton bowl riding on this game Saturday afternoon at the Liberty bowl. So a whole lot to unpack here. Um, Snubbed is putting it lightly. I just
0: want to put that out. Do you want to start
1: there, or do you want to start with Norvell and the Florida State stuff?
0: Let's let's start with what you're saying there.
1: Yeah, let's start with Norvell and Florida State. Uh, I know there's some fans out there like, I just want to focus on the game. Why does this have to happen? It's like, this is just just the business of college sports, and if we're judging by the metrics of who's reading what, um, there are a lot of people interested in... What's happening in the on the Mike Norvell? There's
2: a lot of national people talking about this too. Let's be honest. So to, yeah. to deny it would be like being an ostrich, and we don't put our heads in the sand. So, here.
1: so here's what we know. What we know is, I guess, what we think we know is that Mike Norvell is a is a top, let's say, a top candidate for the Florida State job. There are also these other jobs open at Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss. It sounds like, especially at Ole Miss, right now. Mike Norvell may or may not be a candidate, but my gut tells me, it, basically, for him to take one of those jobs, he would have to go against everything he said previously about sort of what how he views his coaching future and how much he loves Memphis. Because to me, leaving for Ole Miss, for instance, would kind of complicate his legacy here at Memphis. Because I think some people would not be thrilled about that, and I, I think he thinks about that. I don't think I think he really I think he's genuine when he talks about how much he cares about Memphis and this city and this community, and I don't think he wants to tarnish that necessarily. Plus, there's the fact that those jobs just aren't very good. Like, they're they're in a Power Five conference, but Ole Miss and Arkansas are in the SEC West, where. From day one, you're going to be starting off. You're going to be one dealing with Alabama and LSU every year, right? And then there's also Auburn and Texas A&M, who also spend a lot more money than you do and have more resources than you do. So you're you're just you're starting out as at best fifth best in the conference, and then you know Missouri, not really a natural recruiting base. It's you know it's in the East, but still again a mid level lower, really a lower half power five job in a lot of ways, and. With what Mike's done at Memphis, he, he can do better. But Florida State feels different. Yeah, and yeah. what we do know is the report out of the Tallahassee Democrat uh, that Florida State is, gonna, is waiting until this weekend to name a head coach. And that would suggest they're waiting on someone who's coaching in a championship game. And then you add on the fact that... That Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who was considered a candidate for the job, just announced he just got a new contract extension. Who and by the way, he that guy, for accomplishing very little at Iowa State in the grand scheme of things, he has done very well for himself. Cause for whatever reason, all like yeah, he won the Liberty Bowl a couple years ago, but he's he's never won more than eight games, and yet He's gotten several contract extensions at this point, and a lot of big jobs seem to be very interested <laughs> in him. So, more power to him. And apparently, he doesn't have an agent; he negotiates his own deals. Really? So no. no what? Yeah, there's no Jimmy Sexton, uh, you know, commission involved in this. Like <laughs> wow, with Mike. interesting. But uh, so we're talking here Wednesday, and I'm gonna be honest. To me, there's a uh, there feels like there's a sense of inev- inevitability. That this is going to happen, that Mike is going to go to Florida State. I'm curious what you two think, um, and then I'll give my, more of my thoughts. Evan, what do you? Th- what? How do you think? Do you do you think Mike Norvell is coaching his last game as the head coach at Memphis this Saturday?
2: It feels like it. I mean, we. I woke up yesterday and got that Tallahassee Democrat link and seeing that plus seeing the fact that the candidates are starting to fall off. And I believe James Franklin from Penn state is no longer a candidate as well being considered. It seems like it's either going to be yes to Florida state or you say no to Florida state. And so it feels like this just feels like this is it. Maybe that's why, again, Mike is saying everything he's supposed to say at practice that they're focused on this week, everything else, but it, it just feels like if this is the one, this is a better job than say, Ole Miss or Arkansas two years ago, or even last year's um, coaching searches.
0: It seems like, it does seem like, everybody is just in assumption mode, like, and like borderline like accepting, accepting like you said the inevitable, um, like Mark said the inevitable. But I don't know. I, I, stranger things have happened. I've seen stranger
1: things. I like happen. how you're thinking, Jason. I want Mike Norvell back. I, I lo- I've loved covering him; he's been great. Wh- what I hope, what I hope happens, is at the very least, because I think the the fitting ending for Mike would be to win this game on Saturday, um, if indeed this is the end. Who knows? Um, you know, we won't. I, I mean, I expect if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen quickly after that game ends Saturday. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the latest Sunday morning. It, but I suspect it might even leak. I mean, the Fuente, when Fuente went to Virginia Tech, that leaked in the middle of Memphis's final game of the year, and I don't know if that'll happen this time. Uh, but if it, you know, but if it, if this is going down, it's going to go down quickly. Um, I'm sure Mike has maintained some level of plausible deniability in terms of his talks with Florida State, uh, or and and how the contract, if if indeed they are negotiating, but. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's a per, it's not perfect in that you don't want to lose a guy like Mike Norvell. But if you are gonna lose him, this feels like the ideal way to lose him. In the sense that, hopefully, on Saturday, he goes out and does something no coach at Memphis has done in fifty years. He gets him to the Cotton Bowl, and you can think as a, you can think as a Mem, you can feel really good as a Memphis fan like look at what this guy accomplished really you could feel that way whether they win or not on Saturday but that would be like kind of the the capper the icing on the cake like you'd feel really good like look at where this guy led our program look what he's done to elevate our program and then if you look at it from Mike's perspective, he can he can legitimately say, like, what more could I really do at Memphis, given the current structure of college football? And, and then he goes on his way to Florida State, not a rival, not a job very clearly. I think any reasonable person can look at and go, you know what? He has a chance to win a national championship there. He deserves that after what he's accomplished at Memphis. I just don't think there'll be any hard feelings whatsoever. You okay?
0: Just say everyone will be start over everyone will be happy for the other person
1: everyone will be happy for the other and they can go their separate ways feeling good about what's happened here over the last four years and again win or lose saturday you're gonna feel good about it but going out with a with a historic win like that it just feels like everyone deserves that the fan base deserves that mike deserves that this team deserves that i I just think that would be great and then so if you win on saturday You almost don't even it almost doesn't even matter whether he stays or goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would tend to agree with that. Um, It would it would be a bittersweet moment as opposed to just a bitter moment if they if they lost, Uh, you know, I mean, it would be because, I mean, everybody's just assumed they're going to the Cotton Bowl. Not everybody, but a lot of people have have felt very, very good about their chances for the last, what, three weeks or so that they were going to get here. Uh, get past this point and go on to December 28th in Dallas. But uh,
1: – or I guess it's Arlington. Um, Arlington. At Jerry World. Jerry World. Yeah. Let's just
2: say Jerry World if you don't want to say Arlington.
1: Well, it's funny. I didn't realize that Cotton Bowl – it's like the – it's the same day as the semifinals of the college football playoff. It's like a 11 a.m. game, and it's like the oh. precursor to – or like something like that, and it's the precursor to the college football semifinals. Cool. Um So – but great here, here, for deadlines. Here's what
0: I want to say. Uh, how many, if it happens. How many jobs do we think Chris Peterson turned down while he was at Boise State? You know, jobs that mm-hmm. a lot of guys would – a lot of people would his probably jump in.
1: situation was a little different in that he had a special needs child who – and they had a great setup for him at Boise State. And from what I understand, Washington literally like created a program for his kid to make okay. it easier. Like I think there were some special circumstances – that limit that that kept Chris Peterson at Boise maybe longer than you expected. Yeah, he, he's just one example. Yes. I mean, there are other guys who who've No, you Mike needs to be careful and I think he's very aware of it. You only really like a perfect example if you're going to go by the Boise state example. Um Jessica Benson has mentioned this on local uh, local 24's Jessica Benson has mentioned this and it's a great uh parallel if you will. Like Everyone forgets Chris Peterson's predecessor Dan Hawkins really started that Boise State run, and it felt like he jumped at the first big job that came his way, and he went to Colorado, and he flamed out at Colorado. And where's Dan Hawkins now? You don't even know. Oof. You know? Yeah. Do you know? And so, know. and so Mike has to be careful, and I think he has been careful about what he's really pursued, and I think he's being careful right now in that. I think whatever interest there is in Ole Miss or whatever talks there were with Ole Miss were done solely for leverage purposes, whether it was here at Memphis or whether it was with Florida State. But Florida State, I mean, Florida State is a great job. I'm sorry, it's in disarray right now, but a guy like Mike, as talented as a coach as I think he is, to me, it's not going to be surprising at all if if two to three years from now... Florida State's back as the second best program in the ACC again.
2: Yeah, and just think about this year. As bad as they were, this year being six and six, they were still tied for third in the Atlantic Division. So you get things cracking over there. It'll be you basically dealing with Clemson all the time, which isn't too bad in that division. So I think it's a better job. And I think honestly, if you Ole Miss is probably like, hey, we think we have a chance, but why would you go to a team you just beat and basically made look look foolish? I mean,
0: for the record, uh, Dan Hawkins is at UC Davis. Head coach, yes. Okay. Interesting. Has been since 2017. Before that, he was the
1: OC for the Vienna Vikings. In the what is that? Vienna. That's like Vienna, uh, Europe? NFL Europe. Europe. Yep.
0: Wow. So yeah. there you go. That's yeah.
1: Be, uh, Mike Norvell. Hopefully, will look up Dan Hawkins Wikipedia page before he <laughs> makes this jump. Yeah. Um, but. Or if he makes this jump, and I uh, I I feel bad talking about it in those sort of terms, like it, like I said, it, like just the vibe you get. Or I'm going to be honest around the program, around the school, around like I was at the basketball game, and like you know, no one can say, it. no one knows knows, you know, like there's only a few people who know really know what's going on right now. It's probably like Mike Norvell, his wife, Jimmy Sexton, Laird Veach, and. David Rudd probably, and maybe a booster or two who's really high up, but like people kind of know, you know, they don't know, no, but and but so they've accepted it. <laughs> yes, they're they're expecting it. Let's yeah, put it yeah. that way. Right. And so we'll see. Like you said, stranger things have happened. Maybe he's maybe maybe something happens, but maybe he stays. But I, I just find it it would be it would be more now at this point. Here's how I would phrase it: it'd be more surprising. If he stays as the Memphis head coach, than if he goes. Yeah, I agree. At this point, that's yeah, that's what yeah. I would say. That's, that's how that's I would phrase it. That's a good way say. to put it. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, there's a game. There's a huge game, and let's before we get to the game, let's end with the game because obviously it's a big deal. You know, they beat Cincinnati last week, but the All AAC teams came out, the Coach of the Year stuff came out, the Player of the Year stuff came out, so, and the Rookie of the Year stuff came out, so. Let's go first with what Memphis got. So they got Kenny Gainwell was named rookie of the year and got first team all AAC as a running back.
2: And was one of the only two unanimous selections after that.
1: That's pretty impressive for that a redshirt freshman. That is nice. Riley Patterson was named first team all AAC as a kicker. I think a good choice. Tr- he had a great year. Great year. A really great yeah. year. Um, and then Antonio Gibson was named first team as a return specialist and was the co special teams player of the year. Well that's deserved. Served. And that's it. on offense that ranked top ten in the country. Um in scoring offense, yards per play and points per game, I should add. That had yes. That had the the best offense in the league? Or no was SMU. Oh, yeah. No, oh. SMU and UCF scored more points per game. Um, but I'd argue over the last six weeks Memphis had the best offense. But got one guy on first team all AAC. DeMonty Coxy? <laughs> Brady White? <laughs> um who else really deserved it? Dustin Wooder. Dustin <laughs> Nothing. Um so and then player of the year, offensive player of the year went to Malcolm Perry and he also for the Navy quarterback, and he also got um the first team quarterback nod. And then um and then here we go. Coach of the Year. Here we go. Ken Numatalolo gets it over Mike Norvell. So basically, if you had looked at this, you'd think Navy had won the league, <laughs> and not and not lost, not yeah, Memphis or Cincinnati, not Memphis. You'd and, think Navy won the league. And,
0: and, I mean, and, I just want to say they they,
2: they played head to yeah. head. And, and do my eyes deceive me, or do we remember Navy in the second half not doing well against Memphis? They got convincingly beaten in that second half of that so, game.
1: So here's what I would say. Here's here's probably the logic. You know, these Coach of the Year awards. Generally or not, who's the best coach of the best team or whatever? It's usually who overachieved the most. Okay, and so Navy was coming off this. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't agree with the decision. Navy was coming off a three and nine year and went. What are they? Ten and one 10 right and now. Two. Ten nine and two. Nine, nine and two. Because okay. yeah, they still have the Army game, and they went nine and two, and is L- so, to Memphis, and yes. the other loss was to Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. That's right, and so. Again, it's we're talk, It's why, for instance, I mentioned this on the radio, yesterday, Ryan Day from Ohio State won Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. It's the first time in like 50 years an Ohio State coach won Big Ten Coach of the Year, which means like Urban Meyer never won it. Jim Trestle. Jim Trestle wow. never won it. It's because the award tip – it's why Seth Greenberg in the ACC – is a two-time ACC Coach of the Year. He's got as many ACC Coach of the Year awards as Coach K. <laughs> it goes to the overachieving yeah. team, yeah. typically. Yeah. But I would say to the AAC coaches, and they're the ones who pick this, not the media. Don't blame the media like Dabo has been. This is this is this yeah. one's on the coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would just say. If you looked at the circumstances behind this one, yes, Memphis is just has done what was it, it was expected to do in a lot of ways, win the division. But Mike Norvell turned over almost his entire coaching staff. He lost two two skill position players to the NFL. He lost another his starting running back for eight games this year. Um, like the circumstances, like what more could he have done? My thing, here's
0: uh, I don't mean to jump in here, but here's my deal. There was so little representation on the all-conference teams, right? I mean, all we had was uh Kenny Gainwell. Yep. Who nobody knew what he nobody knew he would be that good right. before this season. You had Uh, Riley Patterson, a kicker, and you had uh uh Antonio 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 Gibson, Gibson, who did very little last year. As we, if we can all agree, right? Uh, He was not much of a of a of a factor last year for Memphis. He wasn't. He wasn't. So by my logic, Mike Norvell coached a team to an eleven and one record, a division championship, with only. Three all-conference players, one of them being a special teams guy. Or two, of them, two of them being really, a special two, teams yeah, Really two, yeah. Really two. Only one offensive or defensive player on the all-conference teams. Only one. And yet he coached that team to an 11-1 record in a West Division championship.
2: And if we want to take it further, last year's team, Daryl Henderson, unanimous selection. Dustin Woodard was a first-team selection. So I think they've had thir- they had three first-team guys last year on the team. This year's team, much better team. Three first yeah, team guys. Right. You, I find that to be very weird. Like again, you can look at this team and say, okay, look at let's look at the receivers for example. Marquez Stevenson, very good for Houston. Memphis saw him run for a touchdown. James Prochet, arguably the best, receiver. arguably the best in the league. Gabriel Davis for UCF, talented receiver. Tell me that Demonte Coxey isn't right there with him with Davis. Hundred percent. I we're, mean, yeah. I, I don't. I, I can't understand it. And you can argue, okay, quarterback Mark and I were talking about this at practice. You could argue that Shane Bouchelle. Was a, had a better year than Brady White. You could argue Malcolm Perry, who led the AAC in rushing, had a really, really great year, too. You could say, okay, Brady White's second team will or die, but still, that's you could fight that. But I'm just surprised that there wasn't more representation.
1: Here, here's the bottom line. Cincinnati, who Memphis beat, who Memphis is playing the AAC championship game and is favored to beat again by double digits. They're favored by double digits to beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati and got seven guys on the first team, seven, and that's not to say those guys didn't deserve it. But like, but 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 Memphis that, should not. It should not be seven to three
0: by that yeah. metric. By that metric, no, I agree. And Mike it, Norvell has done a better job of coaching his team to what to what where Navy they are. Had
1: three first teamers too. By the way, I'm looking through it. So SMU and Temple each had four first teamers. Memphis had three, and Navy had three, and then Cincinnati had seven.
0: Mike Norvell team. was a blown call away from being twelve and zero, and potentially thirteen and zero. I mean, like I don't know. It just, it just, it and it, and it's no disrespect to uh, to to Navy's coach to to Ken Dematalolo, no. not at all, but. And- he didn't deserve it as much as Mike Norvell. And, and, and let's be let's be honest. We all expected Navy to bounce back
2: this year because we knew that Navy was going to not going to have two bad years in a row. But you look at this and say, "Okay, by what standard can you say that Navy overachieved more than say Mike Norrell? If you're only looking at wins, okay, they won more games, but looking at this Memphis team which had injuries, lost key players during the season, and has just basically been the best group of 5 team over the last month, I mean, I just here's what
0: I, here's here's my trump card that I would that I would argue if I if I had an argument in this case. Uh, look what he's done with Brady White. End of, end of discussion. End of discussion. <laughs> Let's go back to what Brady White looked like last year and look what he looks like at the end of this year. And, and that is the end of the discussion, period.
2: I, I got no words. Malcolm
0: I, Perry has been a very good quarterback for a number of years. Brady White was not a very good quarterback last year, and he's arguably the best in the league right now.
1: Brady White's QB rating is 177.69. No one's even within 20 points of him in QB rating in the league. Um, now, obviously, Nate, Malcolm Perry's different because he's a runner, and he led the league in rushing, I believe. Yes. Um, but And then if you look at, let's see, receiving. Let's see. Does Coxie... I mean... Gabe Davis from 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 uh, UCF has seventy two catches for one thousand two hundred forty one yards and twelve touchdowns. Probably deserves it.
2: Okay, I take
1: that back. Prochet definitely deserves it. One hundred two receptions, one thousand one hundred thirty nine yards, fourteen touchdowns. Definitely deserves it. Who was the third guy who got it? Marquez Stevenson from Houston. Marquez Stevenson from Houston. A bad team had has fifty two catches, nine hundred seven yards, nine touchdowns. Demonte Coxey currently has fifty F- nine touchdowns, nine hundred seventy nine yards, and nine touchdowns. Fifty nine touchdowns, fifty nine receptions, fifty nine receptions, <laughs> nine hundred seventy nine yards, and nine touchdowns. So he's got slightly better stats than Marquez Stevenson, on a far superior
2: team. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: and Stevenson, who's a burner, you know, fast guy, his yards per his yards per catch are just barely above Demonte Coxie's too. So still, you're like,
0: yeah, it's like I said on Twitter. I don't I don't have as much of an issue with the player superlatives here yeah. as much as I do the, the Mike Nordavell I mean they, they just Well here's just, and here's just, what I'll
1: say Mike didn't say it publicly or on the record <laughs> he was not not thrilled I don't think he was I don't and I don't even think it was the coach of the year part I think he was mad that more of his players did not get recognized
0: I'm sure that's that's yeah. what he's ticked about
1: um, but he was not thrilled about all of this um, so who votes on who
0: votes on the player side of it is that the coaches as well yeah it's
1: coaches all coaches coaches vote for everything in the aac wow. um mm-hmm. mike, so,
0: knows, mike, mike must not have many friends in the coaching field. i don't i mean i don't know but I, don't like, know.
1: I that's the only excuse i can come up with i can tell you that's why sonny dykes wasn't wasn't a contender for the coach he's not he's not well liked in the league <laughs> um from what i've been told but the, good, the silver lining the good news and all this is with all of this kind of distraction of the the future of Mike Norvell, the cloud hanging over in terms of what's going to happen after this championship game. The the silver lining good news of these all-AAC selections and the and the coach of the year snub is that it gives this team something to focus on, some more motivation to counter all that heading into this game Saturday.
0: If you need it, it's there. Right, Like, you know, there's this there's fuel, no, yes. extra f- added fuel. So, Me-
1: Memphis wins 34-24 last week, a really good game. Great game. Um, really evenly matched game. You take out I mean, you obviously can't you don't take out the kickoff return for a touchdown to start the game, but if you take that out, it's a it's a really nip and tuck game the entire game and it went there were ebbs and flows swings of momentum um the Mem- at various points the Memphis offense looked good then the Memphis defense came up huge they needed everything and i, I think this i think this game is going to be even closer i think that i think this is going to be a knockdown drag them out fight because these are both like honestly like Kennuma won coach of the year i don't even think he's the second best coach this year cuz i think it's Luke Fickle um yeah there's an argument there yep. yes and um so these are two really good coaches there's a reason why both of them are rumored to be getting some of these open jobs on the market and I'm curious Evan what what do you think how do you think this game will be different what do you think Memphis will need to do differently in order to pull this one out
2: well funny you say that because on commercial I did a film study where I looked at a couple things and um a couple things I looked at on defense two things probably for sure one Limit Cincinnati on third down conversions because they gave up three third and long conversions that led to touchdown drives.
1: What do we think Cincinnati is going to do with its quarterback?
2: So it seems that Desmond Ritter will be back. They're starting quarterback. Um, Luke Fickle said on the AAC teleconference that he's our guy. We're going to go, you know, he didn't specifically say he's starting, but he said he's our guy and pretty much affirmed that he's going to be back. I suspect we're going to see both. Would not surprise him because honestly, if Ritter took a week off, that's cool, but that shoulder, I don't know well, how. When I
1: thought the. the- Ben Bryant kid played pretty well. He did,
2: and and Adam Fuller talked about defense coordinator talked about how well he you know threw the ball downfield. So I think Memphis is preparing for both. Mike said they're preparing for Desmond Ritter, but now they have Bryant on tape as well. So I think that'll be key. Um, I think offensively the red zone offense has to be much better. I think we were saying during the game this
1: red zone offense was not- yeah they weren't great in short yards. Well, here's an interesting dilemma. I think they have uh, at least the whatever version of Patrick Taylor's out there right now Kenny Gainwell's better than him and but they're, they they it, it's very clear Mike is going to give Patrick Taylor his touches it's an interesting dilemma that they have like I don't think Patrick Taylor's all the way back as a you know like a 100% and I would like to see them get more snaps for Kenny Gainwell. There's a reason why he was unanimously selected as a first-team All-AAC player. Um, he, is, he is a big play waiting to happen, and even, frankly, in short-yarded situations, he's pretty darn good. It's an interesting delay, especially with what they did in the red zone this past game. I wonder if they will adjust some of their personnel groupings, because recently, since Patrick Taylor got back, he's been getting all of those carries. Right. And... I'm curious if that will continue.
0: You guys want to jump on the Wayback Machine real quick before we uh head okay. out of here and take a look at our uh, season predictions and how yes. we fared. Okay. All right. Uh Evan, you remember what you predicted? I think
2: I said 9 and 3, didn't I? Yes,
0: you said 9 and 3, Mark. I eight. also said 9 and 3. Correct. And uh my season prediction was 10 and 2. Uh so you just wanted to do this to gloat a little bit? <laughs> no, right? no, no. I just I like to Mons. go back and look and see what we said. Evan, you said in your outlook, uh Memphis' ceiling is a ten win season, finally winning the AAC championship and reaching the Cotton Bowl as the top ranked group of five team. The floor, another eight win season, which will continue the best run in school history, but feel like a disappointment. Um Mark Giannato uh, said to declare the su- to declare this a successful year. I think this team needs to get over the hump and win the AAC championship. With how successful with how successful this program has been over the last five years to continue progressing. There's only one thing left to do. The floor for this team is seven and five if everything is terrible. And then myself. My outlook uh, said I said twelve and zero is not out of the question. Even though the Tigers are favored in every game, it's unrealistic to expect them to actually win them all. At worst, I don't see Memphis finishing with more than three losses, no matter what. So we were all pretty
1: close. I mean, it's all right. I mean, it's obviously gone better. I think it's gone better than you could have ever. I know they were predicted to win every game, but it's gone better than you could have ever predict it. Because yeah. here we are, a few days away from essentially. the, the I mean as whether it's fair or unfair, and it's definitely unfair. This is about as good as it can get for Memphis in the current college football structure, winning, going for an AAC championship, going for a spot in a new year's six bowl. I Top mean, 20 in the college. Football obviously it's Wales. unfortunate yeah. that you might lose your coach because of it, but the fact that you're losing your, you might lose your coach speaks to the fact that this program is rolling, is as successful as it is. And, um I would I'm, say
0: 90% of te- of of programs in the country if you are w- are you, if you're having as much success as you're having you're going to lose your coach.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I
0: mean I don't know if 90% is high but it's somewhere near there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No and it's it's this Saturday I think is going to be just so much fun because I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be I think it's, it's two really well coached teams that are going to adjust. I think it's going to look a little different than this for the first game. I think Cincinnati is going to play better, but I also think Memphis will maybe play better too. They're going to need to play. Yeah. I'll put phrase it this way. I think Memphis is going to have to play better than it did this past Friday in order to win this game. Uh, they cannot just replicate what they did last Friday and expect to win the championship game because I think Cincinnati is going to come out with a different level of intensity.
0: Yeah, you'll be dead in the water if you yeah. if you think that you can just do it like simple. Like the offense say, needs yeah. to be
1: crisper. They need to execute better on offense. The pass defense needs to be better. Much better. Um, and they need to be just as good on special teams. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned like they're going to be they played most of that game without T.J. Carter, but they're going to have to play a full game without T.J. Carter, who's now out for the rest of the year. So it'll be it'll be fascinating. Are you pre- Evan? Are you predicting a Memphis? Are we are we going to get our first conference title outright conference title in 50 years? The predictions, the
2: predictions are up a commercial appeal. I'll say it. I think Memphis wins. It will be a closer game. I think Memphis wins. And then we see what happens after the game.
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to the wire. But I got I, I think this is going to end. This is gonna be the storybook ending that Mike Norvell and this fan base deserve to this era, if you will, the Norvell era. Because I'm also probably predicting that shortly after the game ends, <laughs> there's gonna be an announcement of some kind. What do you think, Jason?
0: Yeah, no, I, I picked a win as well. I think I think my sc- I don't remember exactly what my score prediction was, but it's uh it's closer. I think is what I had like a, almost like a two point win, three point win, something like that. Um. It's just tough man. It's tough to, to to beat a team twice because they've got they've got the advantage. the loser has the advantage because you know they're making adjustments and and you know as the winner what adjustments do you make necessarily. So um but no I think I think Memphis is just the superior team. They're they're the they're the better team.
1: Yeah. Even though they only got 3 all AAC selections. Um yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. So balding
0: up I'm balding up my fist.
1: Yeah. Well, we will be back next week, win or lose. Um, whether Mike Norvell is still the coach or not, we'll be podcasting. We'll have plenty of stuff up at commercialappeal.com throughout the rest of this week leading up to the game, after the game. Uh, if there's a coaching search that begins, if there, if Mike Norvell is staying, we'll have details on how that all went down. Um, so... Make sure you stay locked and loaded on commercialappeal.com because there's a lot going on, and, and we're writing a whole lot of stuff for you to read. A lot. So uh, till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Uh, get yourselves out to the Liberty Bowl. It's a historic a historic moment for this program, and uh, they deserve the city's support. And the weather will be nice, too. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your week and see you at the Liberty Bowl.
0: A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.